Hello, friend. Welcome to the Living Truth Podcast. This is Pastor Tom Hine. We're here at the New Hope Church office and getting our day started, and we're glad that you're with us as well. This is a new venture for us, and we're calling it Living Truth because we'd like to help you to be able to understand the Bible better, to live its truth more completely, and experience your relationship with Jesus more deeply. I'm your host, giant resource person in partnership with various guests who engage us in dynamic conversation and stories from their own lives. We're here today with Pastor Ryan Whitson, lead pastor at New Hope Church. How are you today, Ryan? I'm good. Thanks for having me, and I'm excited for our topic for today. Yes, me too. We're talking about miracles today, asking questions about miracles in the Bible, questions about miracles, whether they happen today, and just how we respond to God's work among us. So we'll start off with this question. I'll tell you a little bit about my experiences. Ryan, you can add anything you like to it. And that is the question, what kinds of experiences have you had with miraculous testimonies from Christian believers? Or what kind of miracles have you perhaps seen? And for myself, I start on my missions trips. Occasionally, I hear from believers in Asia and Africa, for example, there's one church that was started because the pastor began to pray for a man who had gangrene. The doctors told him that he couldn't be healed, that he'd have to have his leg cut off. And so the pastor began to pray for this man. And over the course of time, in answer to prayer, he was healed. And a church started out of that in the network, in the neighborhood there, the family. And so I have that experience. And then on the other hand, back when I was a new believer at the University of Iowa, there were a group of people that started to come around campus, and they would just walk up to someone and say, your left leg is longer than your right leg. You want me to pray for you? And they just grab a person by their leg and start praying for them. And that was just so unusual that it was just a little bit unnerving. Um, on the other hand, I've also seen times where we prayed at church for people and the result uh, over the course of time has been healing. And so those are some of the ex experiences in my life. How about for you, uh, Ryan, as you've done ministry? Yeah, you know, similar to you, I've also uh, heard of, heard stories from people about different miracles that they've uh, experienced. And, and there's no doubt they're they're special to people when somebody either has experienced a miracle in their life or, or they witnessed something that impacted somebody else. It was, well, it's unusual. And so it's, it's unusual enough that it, it strikes them and, it, and they hold on to it. And it can be a tremendous uh, in, in encouragement to, to, to people. Um, I've also, though, experienced the other side, and you alluded to it in your response as well. So, some, sometimes misunderstandings can be attached to miracles, right? I mean, uh, for example, somebody could could be uh, to love Jesus and, and follow him all their lives and then wonder, well, but I haven't had a miracle moment in my life. There hasn't been that kind of exceptional thing that took place. And there can almost be a sense of what's wrong with me hmm. or what's missing from my faith. I haven't had that kind of experience. Uh, or others could swing to the other extreme and, and it could be this idea of all of faith is about the miraculous. All of faith is about the sensational and these these incredible moments. And so if that's their experience of what it looks like to follow Jesus, then they begin to wonder, well, what's wrong with you if you haven't had that, that your faith isn't quite what it should be? Mm -hmm. 
And that can be very discouraging uh, on, on both sides, of course. And so I think we, we come to this topic of miracles with some fascination and some questions. Yes. So it brings up the question, what is a miracle? C.S. Lewis has a whole book about miracles. And certainly a miracle is something unusual, something unique. It's an event that takes place beyond what we ordinarily see as the laws of nature, the laws of physics. So how would you define a miracle, Ryan? Same idea. It's, it's this, this supernatural event. It's, by definition, it's out of the ordinary, and, and it's, it is rare. Um, done by the Holy Spirit. In fact, I, my Bible is open to 1 Corinthians 12, and in this chapter we're talking about the body of Christ and different gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to people, and one of those is this gift of miracles, and it says that God uh, leads that, that Holy Spirit process of, of doing these supernatural miracle events. Uh, certainly, it's, these, are, these are acts of God that display his power, display his love. It's a great reminder that God is at work in the world and, and, and doing these kinds of things. So historically, biblically, one of the things that is often overlooked is that people think the Bible is one chapter after another chapter throughout history of miracles happening, but it's a little bit different than that, isn't it, when you begin to investigate the history of miracles scripturally. What, in your reading and understanding of the Bible, what have you seen along these lines? Certainly. <clears throat> you open the Bible, and Old Testament or New Testament, it doesn't really matter, and, and you, you, you don't have to read very far, and you see God working, and you see miracles. You see God doing these tremendous things, don't you? And um, especially if you look at the life of Moses, I think you see what well, you do. You see this incredible concentration of, of miracles. It starts with this burning bush account of Moses being called back to Israel and the Exodus accounts, and then they're in the desert and all these events taking place. Uh, another place where it's concentrated is in the life of Jesus. And, and obviously he did miracles and he healed and just the things that were going on. And we, we marvel at these scenes and these moments. Um, and they're a great encouragement. But sometimes one of the problems that can come of that is, is you can read a couple of chapters and you can, you can, you can read six miracles that, as you read, it took place in 15 minutes. And you think, well, that's normal, right? That's how God always worked, is this concentration of miracles, and yet we can forget that there was large gaps of time that was taking place between these events. I mean, it could be decades between Well, 1,500 years between Moses and the time of Christ and the apostles. Right, right. 1,500 years. So this perception, right, yeah. that we can have that, uh, that it happened all the time as we see it in, in, in the Bible. Um, uh, yes, God did miracles. Yes, God does miracles. But we remember, it's, it's the exception. It's those special moments, right? So one of the things that I noticed as I was working on my doctoral project, interviewing people during their times of suffering, was that oftentimes during those difficult times were times people would identify that God showed up in an unusual way and there were breakthroughs that took place in their understanding of God, in their relationship with God. And as I've been writing on my project, I've been debating, do we call those events miracles, supernatural encounters, 
what what exactly is going on there certainly i think we can identify them as breakthrough encounters and so part of the question that comes out of that is what is the difference between the ordinary working of god versus the supernatural miraculous encounters with god any thoughts absolutely and that normal kind of within the laws of nature workings of god we would call that providence Mm -hmm. and we would call that god's providing and superseding and working out through events in fairly normal ways to uh, to, to reach his will to have that happen and uh, it can be hard to tell the difference sometimes can't it what's a miracle what's providence uh, one, one example and maybe even a story if there's time but uh, one example is in Matthew 17 so you got this this account where where Jesus and Peter are having this conversation and and Peter drops his fishing line in and catches the fish that has the shekel in it to pay the tax. Remember that story? And, mm-hmm. and so the question is, was that a miracle or was that providence? Well, we don't know. It could be either one. So a miracle would be, a, a, an example of that would be that God, out of nothing, supernaturally placed a shekel inside the fish that then Peter caught. Or providence could be that somebody at some point dropped a shekel into the sea that that fish happened to pick up to eat, which Peter then happened to, to um, catch that fish. See, God providentially orchestrating all these events to take place. Let me give you another example. I had a friend, one of my co-authors, in fact, of Reasons to Believe. He shares a story about uh, his sister, and she wanted to go to a specific college but she didn't have the money it was a, a missionary family they didn't have the money to even pay the application fee it was like a hundred and some dollars maybe to just to apply to this this college and so daryl remembers they just gathered as a family liver and they just began to pray god would you provide let's call it 150 dollars so that this girl could apply to go to this college they get in the living room they circle up they pray once they finish praying the doorbell rings the dad goes to the door, opens it. There's a letter, a certified letter from a, a European country. Um, they open the letter. It has a check for $150, exactly what was needed for the application. So is that a miracle or providence? Because if you think about it, what God had to orchestrate to make that happen was remarkable. Because they prayed the prayer, but for that certified letter to reach from Europe over there weeks prior... God, sovereignly knowing how he was going to ask, uh, answer this prayer, had to begin to orchestrate certain events so that letter arrived at precisely the right time, including the postman or woman who was you know, doing their route. And just the timing that God had to orchestrate to providentially work. Was it a miracle? Was it providence? Either way, we see God's hand at work mm. in a special yeah. way, don't we? Yeah. So Pastor Jake is our sound engineer here. And he passed along a question to us, doesn't matter. And I think that's a really good question because in the end, it's God's work and we're recognizing God's work. Might be somebody that would say, well, this whole thing, $150 show up, it was just coincidence. It was just luck that it happened. Well, series of coincidences if you're a person of faith, you say, God's always working. And so, is it luck? No, I don't think anything happens by luck. I believe God is sovereign, God is good. And so, whatever we call it, it's God's work. Mm-hmm. And that's what matters most. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And well said. I mean, luck cannot exist in, the, in a world where God is sovereign. Yes. And he's at work. Yes. So one of the questions uh, that we have here that would be good to answer is just signs and wonders. We have people that would say that where the gospel is going forth with great power, uh, that there are signs and wonders, and people pick that up from the book of Acts, where it talks about the signs and wonders. And so, again, I struggle with this because I know in reading church history and reading what happens on the missions field, that it is true that at times you read about unusual occurrences where massive numbers of people come to Christ, where there are healings that are reported, and so the way I put that together in my mind is to just think about, well, think about Acts and the, the quickness, the quick way that the gospel spread in the book of Acts. And I say, well, maybe there are times when major revivals taking place, when the gospel is breaking out in new places where there's an unusual high correlation of miracles and the gospel going forth. It's a hard question to kind of wrap your mind around, but then we bring that back to the U.S., our own context here. Should we go out every day seeking signs and wonders? Are there people that are especially anointed that can do signs and wonders? How have you approached that and responded to some of yeah. that? Yeah. Well, and it might be good too, and maybe you could respond to this, the signs and wonders, like how, how do you define that? We've been talking about miracles, we introduced mm -hmm. providence to the equation, and now we yes. have another term, signs and wonders. What right. do we mean by that? So a sign is exactly what the word means. It's like a stop sign, tells us we need to stop. Yield sign tells us slow down. Uh, green light tells us go. And so when we talk about signs in the New Testament, it is uh, an event that points to something else, ultimately pointing to who? Pointing to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so I think the problem develops when the signs and wonders take precedence over pointing to Jesus, over following Jesus, and people get caught up into just looking for another sign, another wonder, day after day after day. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, that can absolutely happen, and then the gospel gets forgotten, and and Jesus becomes a dog and pony show kind of a thing where people show up for the sensational, exactly. but not the life saving message of the gospel. Yes, and and we certainly see that. You know, they had the New Testament, you have the Book of Acts, and you've got the the new church that is is birthed and is beginning to grow. And so the question, of course, they didn't have the New Testament as we have it today. Is how what reason do we have to trust Barnabas or or Paul or, or Peter, any of these people that went out and began to share, why should we trust them? And so as you just said and pointed to, I mean, those signs and wonders would authenticate the messenger that the message they're giving is from is from God. And you have you have such uniquenesses in the in the New Testament, especially again, Book of Acts as the church was was starting. Some things that were were taking place there that really were kind of one time occurrences as the church began to to grow and and the New Testament as we have it was being written and and spread around to the various you know the various churches and so it seems to me that we have we should take this posture of expecting God to work and that God in His sovereignty He can He can do the miraculous 
And I think we can pray for the miraculous. Mm-hmm. That we can ask God to do something above and beyond anything we hope or imagine we can orchestrate or even conceive that he would do. But we do it with an open hand. And we say, God, in your sovereignty, though, I like to say it this way. God, your, your goodness is not measured by my benefit. Is in that God is only good if he does a miracle. Or God mm-hmm. is only good if he answers in such a way that, that, that I wanted it. You know, that, that healing or or my marriage to be fixed, or something with one of my kids, or, you know, just these kind of things. I, I think we, we go boldly before God. We present it all to God. God, you can do the miracle. Um, but even if you don't, yes. in the way that I would desire it, you're still good, mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. still sovereign. And in no way does who you are as God diminish, nor does my faith waver. Yeah, I was just actually reading a little bit about Job and his encounter with God. And this author, I think it was Tim Keller, was saying this is where Job had to come to, to that point where he just yielded to God and said, God, I don't understand this, but I just yield to you. You are God. I now see. I've been asking for you to answer me and tell me why this is going on. But finally, in the end, he just yielded and said, God, absolutely, you are who you are. Just we just it's funny we talked about that in grief share this last week another small group that we have here at New Hope and and I didn't know this but sixteen times in the book of Job he asked the why question God why did you allow this to happen why did you take my kids why did you take my wealth why is my health I mean all this kind of thing and and to exactly what you said God never answered the question mm-hmm. but what does he do he showed up yes and his presence was enough yes amen yeah uh, part of the struggle I think is that. When we go especially to a book like Acts, we have a a description of what took place, and we can make the descriptive prescriptive. That is, God doesn't always work in the same way in all places. And like you're saying, certainly someone has a serious illness, let's pray. Let's ask God for the miraculous. It may be that God does that, and we have testimonies of people for whom they've experienced amazing miracles, but it may be just the ordinary providence of the doctors, the nurses, the technicians that God may choose to heal. It's still God's work, whether it happens in what we would label as miraculous or not. Absolutely. So how do we have what I would call a balanced view of miracles? How do we stay open to what God may do and yet not get so fascinated with the miraculous that this is all that's on our mind? One of the things that happened when I was teaching over in Asia this last time was we were studying the book of Jonah And so one of the students, the first place they went was to say, Jonah's name means the dove, and the dove represents the Holy Spirit. And that was the first place that this student went because it was in their mind that everything going on in the Bible is always pointing to the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. And so when we come to Jonah, why wouldn't we expect that as well? Yeah. It's a great question, and really, I think it's it's the conclusion question, right? It's the application. So, what do we do with all this, and how do we how do we move forward in in a, a biblical way mm-hmm. on this topic? And and I would just I would offer this that that on, on one hand, God, as we've been talking about, He is a God who does miracles. Psalm seventy seven fourteen says this: "You are the God who performs miracles." 
you display your power among the people and 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 so he does do that because he's good amen and he's loving and he's gracious and he's powerful and and really let's come back to what's the greatest miracle and if we never got another one this is a sufficient miracle and that is jesus the miracle of christmas that god's son would step into his own creation put on a human suit and go to the cross to pay yes. the penalty for our sins and the miracle of the resurrection yes I mean, that's enough that miracle in and of itself is, is enough in terms of who God is and how he provides for us. And again, God's goodness, is, it's not measured by whether he provides a miracle or he doesn't. But as you just said, we, we, we certainly have license and permission and encouragement to pray for it Amen. and to ask God to do what only he can do. But I think, I think in the end, I think it's good and healthy to come to a place. And it reminds me in Luke 1 of Mary's posture when Gabriel comes and delivers this message of, you're going to be with child. And she just simply responds and says, may it be to me as you have said, that, that complete surrender. And so as we come before God, God, you can do it, but I'm trusting you to know best if it should be done. Mm. Uh, Lord, may it be to me, to, to, to us, to this circumstance, to my loved one, as you have decided. I trust you with that. Yeah. And I think that's a balanced view of holding those intention. Yeah, I think that's a great picture. I think of uh, Matthew 7. Um, Jesus says, ask, seek, knock, ask, you'll receive, seek, you'll find, knock, and the door will be open. So he tells us, go to God, plead with God. And yet we can't act like we have God like we're the puppeteer and we've got him like a puppet on a string that we can control. God. And that's really what we've been saying, the posture of Mary, the posture that Job had to come to, and really the posture for all of us is that we come and we proclaim, God, you are great, you are good. Here I am. I love you because you love me first. And that growth that takes place, that response that takes place, maybe what we label miraculous, may not be what we label as miraculous, but we can still love and follow God in the midst of whatever the next step is. Well said. We'll be back next time for more Living Truth. So come back, uh, look for the podcasts, and join us when you can. Thanks so much for listening to the first edition of Living Truth Podcast. We're so glad you were with us today. We would love to hear from you. And if you have any ideas for things that we should talk about, investigate, questions that you have, feel free to email me, tom at newhopeadel.org or catch me at church if you're from New Hope Church. Just love to hear from you if you get a chance. God bless.